Welcome back, everyone, to the Together Thriving podcast. Um, so today we're going to talk uh, on a really exciting topic. So we have a lot of online coaches and community leaders in our audience. And so today we're going to talk about how inclusive practices can lead to better mental and emotional health for both the coach and the clients. Welcome to the Together Thriving podcast. We're your hosts, Sarah and Valeria. Together Thriving started as a virtual wellness summit for women and femmes of color by women and femmes of color. We created Together Thriving because after years of being wellness coaches, we realized there was a severe lack of representation in the wellness industry. Black, Indigenous, and people of color wellness experts don't get featured or highlighted as much as we should in this industry. So we figured, why not build our own table? We started this podcast to uplift and empower women and femmes of color with wellness resources, knowledge, and a safe healing community so that we can get out of the fight or flight mode and truly thrive in our day to day. Women and femmes of color live at the intersection of two marginalized identities, that of our gender and that of our race and ethnicity. Additionally, the intersection of cultural identity and wellness is rarely, if ever, featured in the spotlight. This is why representation matters. We want this podcast to be a platform where the voices of women and femmes of color in the wellness industry are amplified and where our community can find resources that speaks to their wellness needs. So without further ado, here we go. So I'm here with Vale. Vale, do you want to do a little introduction of today's guest? Yes, today we're here with the lovely Abiola, and she is the founder and CEO of Fern Education Studios. She's originally from Trinidad and Tobago and has been an educator for the past 16 years, teaching and designing programs all across the world in different um, organizations and educational systems. And she founded Fern Education Studios to guide online coaches and community hosts through the process of building inclusive practices into their businesses. Um, Abiola, would you like to tell us a little bit more about you and share some of your intersectional identities and share your story with us? Sure. Thank you for having me. I can't, I'm very excited to chat with you guys you ladies sorry about that (laughs) (laughs) I I have to train myself to stop saying guys all the time but you know you know what I was just like I know this is a side note to get started (laughs) but I was just thinking about that today like (laughs) earlier today so I just think it's yeah it's funny to we we all do it (laughs) oh yeah all right let's let's myself (laughs) I'll let you do your introduction. Go ahead. All right. So, yes, I'm Aviola. And as Val- Valeria, mm-hmm. did I pronounce Valeria mentioned, I'm from Trinidad and Tobago and have spent, I've spent the past 20 something, 20 years about, I, I don't check, um, outside of Trinidad and Tobago, but I'm actually back here right now. Um you know, mostly because of COVID, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it, it was meant to be. Um, and I've spent that time living, working, studying um, in countries like Japan, where I stayed for 10 years and 
um, Belize, the U.S., you know, on different coasts, New York, California. And it's definitely been an interesting ride thus far. And I think you mentioned, you know, my intersectional identities. And it's... So to go with that, like, I am... cisgender, heterosexual, able-bodied, plus-size woman of color, mixed ethnicity, educated from the Caribbean. I speak three languages, not all of them fluent yet, but I'm getting there. I'm an (laughs) entrepreneur, right? And so much more, right? And Mm -hmm. the thing about it is some some of these identities that I have are privileged and some have been marginalized. And you know, not so much privilege. And I bring all of these with me into every community that I'm a part of. And they influence how I am, how I think. And they're just a big part of who I am as a person. And I try to embrace all of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's I love that. a big part of why I do what I do. Because I, I want others to be able to embrace all of themselves. Yes. So what what inspired you to get into the field that you are in now? Like what's the story behind that? Well, it may it may be a little convoluted story, but I'll <laughs> try to okay. be as direct <laughs> as possible. We're here Sometimes for it. I, right? <laughs> Sometimes we talk in circles, but it's okay. Um, so as I mentioned, like even though I'm from the Caribbean, I spent a lo- I've spent a lot a lot of time outside of it and you know in vastly different cultures and communities and in each of these places one of the things that I've always looked for is community a place where I can belong be myself and be accepted for all of me um I found it through my jobs my friends you know I meet up groups I have like a Japanese mama that took me in uh. <laughs> when I was living in Japan. She's, I love her. Um, but when I made the decision to become location independent and I knew that I needed to look for that community in a different, you know, in a different space. So I needed to look for it online also. And I remember one of the first communities that I was a part of, I, at first I felt accepted. I, you know, everything was going well, but something changed when certain part of, parts of my identity kind of started being called out in not a good way, right? Um, it affected me mentally and emotionally, and it affected my business and how I started working, right? I started not wanting to be a part of things like co-working sessions. I started like you know, withdrawing into myself. And, you know, I I thought I had found a place where I can just be all of, all of who I am. And, you know, even though, like, I approached the community host, she was understanding, you know, I, I, I found that things were slow to change or that she, she, she really even though there were good intentions all around, she didn't know how to help me, right? How to make that change. And, you know, a statement was made, but there wasn't really any follow through about inclusion and diversity and things like that. 
but there was nothing to show that maybe it was a priority and that it was being implemented. And in my years of designing curriculum and teaching, one of the things, inclusivity has always been a big part of everything I've done, right? In, in the way I design, in the way I teach. And, you know, I think it's a big part of what gets iterated into a program that I design. And once you know who is in your program and what they are bringing to, to the table. And I saw this was lacking in a lot of the online group of com online group communities that I was a part of. And just to clarify, when I say communities, I'm not just referring to memberships. I'm also thinking coaching, like the group coaching programs, online courses, those are all communities, any space that has, that hosts like this group learning experience. And as you guys mentioned, I'm an educator through and through. I love it. Teaching is my passion. And, you know, creating a space where everyone feels that sense of belonging is a big part of why I started my business. And I knew that I wanted to help other online coaches, course creators, membership hosts do exactly that because I could see how frustrated the, the that um, host was when I brought her my concerns. She, she, she really wanted to help but did not know how to, right? And, you know, I want to help create that space where everyone can, you know, be who they are without feeling like they have to give up parts of themselves in order to do that. Um, it's been the foundation of previous iterations of my business. And I know how important it is to, to, to ensure that not only, you know, those who are part of the community, but the coaches, the hosts, the managers, the ma community managers of, um, have that peace of mind knowing that they are committed to building that into their communities. And long story short, that's how I got here. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was incredible. And, I, you know, the work that you're doing is so important. And there's a lot of things that you said there that really resonated. And, um, mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that you said um, was, uh, I can't remember exactly how you said it, but, you know, uh, it's it's going into a space thinking, feeling at first and thinking that you it's inclusive. Right. And yeah. then um, and then it, as it turns out, it's not that way. Right. And then, as you said, like you had that experience of them not really knowing what to do. And I know that um, like Valley and I had never created a community together and we, but we had experienced different kinds of communities. Um, and as you said, community can mean a lot of different things, especially in the online space. Right? right. And so when, when her and I got together, um, well, first of all, it was because in the wellness space, we, we experienced some of what you experienced. Right. And right. so we couldn't find that space where we could be all of ourselves mm -hmm. and, and genuinely feel included and heard and listened. Um, and I know that um, we, we didn't really know, you know, we didn't go through a process of like building a curriculum or, or, or you know, working with you, for example, yeah. or any of that. But we were very intentional about like 
how are what are the things that we can change um, to make sure that it's not just um, a trend, right? It's right. it's sort of built like with our foundation. So I I think it's so important the work that you're doing and helping other um, other people who are creating online spaces, making those spaces a lot safer. So yeah, really appreciate you sharing that story. Um, and on that topic. Yeah. I saw I, I, I was going through your Instagram and I saw a post that stood out to me and I just thought I would um, I would uh, I wanted to hear your take on it. So you yeah. had asked your audience a question uh, and mm-hmm. I'll ask it to you. So what does inclusion mean to you? I would love to hear your <laughs> your answer to that, because I think yeah. that's a great place for for us to, to you know get started on the topic today. Yeah. And for me, it's pretty I have a very simple answer for that. To me, it means a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. People might think I need to have the no. That that's what it is. That sense mm-hmm. of belonging in every community, that in every space that I go into. Yeah, I want to feel like I'm accepted for who I am, no matter what I bring to the table. Mm. Right. So that like, so like yeah. all of your identities are all of my identity belonging all, feel that they, sense of belonging they, yeah, yeah they feel that sense of belonging I love that yeah I love that That's- yeah I um I'm curious because you you know you shared a little bit about your experiences with more like in real life, like physical communities, right? And you've yeah. you've lived in different parts of the world and then your experience um, in the online spaces as well. And so like, what has your experience been in terms of like, how do you find community, you know, and like being able to show up in um, in those physical spaces and be all of yourself? Like how, how do you find it different from like the online spaces? Hopefully my question makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. That's a really good question. I I think I actually find it easier to walk into an online to walk I'm air quotes into an <laughs> online space because people don't see all of you for at first, right? So they just see you can have your video off. You can, you know, they can probably just hear your voice. There's so much you can do to hide certain parts of yourself that it makes it a little more comfortable in certain ways, especially I'm, I'm an introvert at heart. Right. And, mm. you know, new, new situ- social situations, always us introverts out there, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's always nerve wracking <laughs> in the beginning, right? Um, so it, it was easier stepping into those spaces, mm. right? Re- whereas in the physical sense, all these other things go through your, your head, like, okay, what do I wear? What do I you know, how, how, what do I say? Who do I talk to first? Like when I was um, working in higher ed and I went to conferences and had to network, oh, I used to have to breathe. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. Very relatable. <laughs> yeah. You know, networking was like, wait, what? I have to talk to people in person. <laughs> so I, I, I think a lot of us feel that, especially after like a year plus of being stuck at home, like in the pandemic and like everything is virtual and we're like, okay, how do we do this in person? 
interaction now. Like, I forgot. <laughs> For real, I completely agree. I I feel the same way. I mean, right now we're still kind of locked down in Trinidad a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we're not opening it up, back up as the U.S. is, but... I'm just like watching all these things and I'm like, how do people do that in person now? I don't, I don't know. But yeah, so I I feel like, I hope that answers your question. I I feel like in in some ways it is a little less intimidating in an online space. However, Mm -hmm. I I feel like it, it is also sometimes harder to open up and get to know someone. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's also harder. So, for example, a big part of my identity is my name, Abiola. And unfortunately, some people find it very hard to pronounce. However, I feel your it, pain. It, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's very relatable. <laughs> right. So, so with that, it's also like you have to kind of no it's abiola and you know put on the spot but sometimes after the 10th time it gets frustrating because i'm like it's pretty phonetic <laughs> too yeah right it's you like, can oh this name is longer than four letters i all of a sudden don't know how to pronounce anything what <laughs> right so but that's that's the first thing people see so yeah. You know, but in 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 a physical space, you introduce yourself to mm-hmm. someone, so you teach mm-hmm. them how to say your name. So I found myself. I'm like, I never knew how much it annoyed me when people mispronounced my mispronounced my name, and you know, you have to check yourself because you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's but- so interesting. Yeah, that's so true. Do you ever yeah. feel like people try to like give you nicknames or like? alter your name in an unwelcome way it I've had it sometimes but I feel like also I I also go by Abby and it's something I've gone by my entire life so everyone who gets to know me after you've known me for a day you can call me Abby you guys can call me Abby I tell everyone you can call me Abby that's fine right it's just something I've done so for me I've naturally just say now I'm Abiola or Abby you I answered to both you can call me whichever one you would you would like I I I I, I don't mind right because it's it's a part but I don't like if I haven't said that if people automatically just shorten it. Like, let me give you permission right. to shorten my name yeah. first. <laughs> right. So so yeah. I mean, but when it comes to that, and I think that was something that I noticed within online spaces and even with hosts, right? In just not it's such a small thing, but it can really impact someone who that's a big part of their identity, their name. So if, for example, I've been in a group where I've been the only person that the host says, oh, can you pronounce your name? And everybody mm-hmm. else, they easily pronounce their name. That mm-hmm. made me feel excluded. That didn't make me feel like a sense of belonging. So one of the things I always tell 
other, you know, hosts and I, I call them coaches. Don't single someone out because you assume their name is difficult to pronounce. Ask each person in the group to pronounce their name, whether you can say it or not. You don't know if it has an inflection somewhere that you've never, you, you don't know. So ask each, that's one like little simple thing that you can do to make everyone in that group feel, not feel singled out. Yeah, that's so. such a good tip. Speaking on like how to help foster those like safe spaces and make people like, or I guess encourage that sense of belonging. What would you say are like your top, you know, like four to five tips on like, you know, for community um, managers or, or hosts or coaches that are facilitating a space, what can they do to help people feel like they belong and feel included? Yeah. Well, the name is one. Yes. <laughs> so I'll put that as one. And I feel, and I would put it this way. Don't think that you're going to get it right overnight, that mm -hmm. there's, you know, a template for doing inclusion, right? Or that it's cookie cutter, right? It's not one and done. It's, it is an iterative process and it really depends on who is in your community. So one of the things I would get to know who is in your community, yes. right? Yeah. It sounds so simple. It but, sounds so simple. But that that, so that many is people don't key, do yeah. it. Yeah. They skip over that part, right? Or like yeah. assume that they know. That is so um, yeah, that's so important. Yeah, get to know who is in your community. You you'd be surprised, you know, you know, at what um you can find out. And I think once you you have more of a sense, look at you know look at the makeup, and then you can decide how can you move forward making sure all of these people feel like they belong. So for example, if you have people from around the world in your community, how can you ensure that they each feel like they are getting what, what you promised them? So for example, if it's a coaching program, if you have, you know, People in your community from, say, you're based in the Eastern time zone and you have people in Asian, Japan, right? In Asian mm -hmm. time zone or, you know, how can, don't just tell them you can watch the recording. Mm -hmm. Maybe think of if it's, if you have the ability to, maybe think of getting a co-host that can host something mm -hmm. in a more you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? In a more convenient, yeah. for lack of a better word, accessible. convenient time, accessible yeah, time accessible, for yeah. them, right? Mm -hmm. That that might, or, you know, alternate with something. Don't expect them to always have to make the sacrifices because that, it, it causes people to not fully engage mm -hmm. if you only if you only get to see the recording yes you really wanted to be in the program and you chose to be a part of the program but there are things you can still do to make them feel welcome and to make them feel like 
well, just because you're there, sorry, too bad, so sad yeah. kind of situation. It doesn't have that, to be like that. Right? That's so true. Yeah, thinking outside the box too, right? Not just exactly. doing like, as you said, like it's not just cookie cutter, like because not everyone, you know, has the same audience. And so you're right. That's that's such a good point. I had never thought about that. <laughs> and I think like on the, I guess, Western hemisphere, like in the Americas, um, we, it's often easy to forget or just assume that like everyone is in the Americas and like similar time zones within that like three hour period of like Pacific to Eastern time when in reality, like there's so many people in the online education, entrepreneurship, coaching space that are in Asia, they're in, um, you know, Africa, they're in Europe and they're Australia, like all over the world, because like, that's the beauty of Wi-Fi also. And like working from anywhere in that like digital nomad life. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's just like, yeah, like taking into consideration everyone in the community. Yeah, because I mean, the thing is, if you're online and you say you're open to all, know that you are international, even though that's may not, you may be based in, you know, the U.S. or in Trinidad or you are technically international, right? Because anyone with, as you said, Wi-Fi, you know, access to the internet can access your program if if they have the problem that you're solving, that if they have the problem that you're solving for them. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, we got you, we got you. <laughs> yeah. So those are some of my tips. (laughs) Yeah, no, those are, those are great. Like they, you know, it's, they were simple, like they're simple to already, you know, like implement. It's, it's the little things and you're right. It's those little gestures that really do make that space safer Mm -hmm. to, to come into. Right. And you feel welcome. Um, So that, that makes, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Um, And it's a start. Right. And I just, um, disclaimer, it's a start for those out there. <laughs> There's so much more that to go even deeper, but you know. <laughs> no, that's definitely a very important disclaimer to put. <laughs> Um, Coming back to um, the topic of wellness a little bit more since we're um, a wellness podcast, Um, you know, when we first started chatting about like scheduling an interview and like thinking about topics that uh, you could uh, share with us today, there was something that you um, had mentioned that really stuck out to me. Um, And it was that you you mentioned something along the lines of not having a solid um, curriculum and the foundation for it can lead to burnout. And I would love for you to expand a little bit on this and also how um, does like designing inclusive programming can help with your mental and emotional health. Yeah. um, It's really important. I mean, having a strong foundation for your program, for course, membership, whatever it is, is key to having it be successful, right? If that foundation is not there, if that core is not there, then you find yourself, you know, kind of maybe putting out little fires here and there, having to change this this week, having to to realize you didn't give them the right worksheets or you, you messed up and they didn't, 
you know, you were supposed to, I don't really have a great example in my head right about now, but (laughs) (laughs) think of a time that that happened, right? (laughs) If you're listening. Um, But it's having to put so much energy into fixing all these little things can really wear you down. And then you think, okay, well, I'm just going to do some self-care. It was just a rough iteration. I'm just going to, you know, go to the beach, relax, get my nails done, get my hair done, whatever. And I'm going to come back and do it again. And then you come back and do it again. And the same thing is happening. Because for you, you thought, well, maybe it was just the students in that that Mm -hmm. course. You know, maybe it's them. They just weren't talking. They just weren't engaging. But that's usually not where the problem is, right? Because if you come back and it's the same problem, all that self-care that you did for the last Mm -hmm. week just (laughs) goes away, (laughs) right? Because you're frustrated again. You're burnt out again. You're like, well, here I am having to, you know, re-record another uh, video at midnight because... The first, I just realized the first one didn't work. So maybe I need to re-record it and see if mm-hmm. that will work. You know, just doing these little things instead of really taking a step back, looking at the foundation, looking to see, do I have things like learning outcomes? Do I have objectives? Do I have an impact statement? Are they all connected to each other, right? Is there a purpose to each of the things that, each of the activities that I'm having um, my clients do like, like, is my framework there? Do I have a framework for what I'm doing? Right. Instead of looking at it from that view, a lot of people and a lot of coaches tend to just think that it's an, the problem is elsewhere and that a little bit of self-care can fix it. Yeah. I can, I can just, it, and it starts to wear on you and it starts to break you down and starts to tear you down and you start to, to, to second guess yourself and doubt yourself and you, you don't know what's going on. It's, it's a spiral, right? You spiral down. So, yeah. Yeah. And I love that uh, the way, the way that you talk about building a curriculum too, like it sounds like you are also like building that connection with the client as well, right? And exactly. because you're, you know, as you said, you've mentioned before, like getting to know your audience, right? And and mm. as you're spending time creating that, you're thinking about like who's behind the screen, like who's receiving that information um, and then, you know, kind of building that structure around that. I love that. It's, exactly. it's definitely something that like, I haven't really yeah, thought about before. Like, I like the way that you put it and just like the that purpose of like the curriculum and like, yeah. How And I love how it, again, it helps build that connection with the yes. person behind the screen, especially in an online space. That's exactly. awesome. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like you help people also like just have a system in place of so that they're not like on the reactive side of things. And thinking of things like last minute and always in that like doing it on the fly or like winging it type of place where it's more of coming from like a, I plan this out and it's like a proactive 
like getting on the proactive side of it exactly where it's like you already know what you're going to be like educating on teaching on yeah you got me thinking it's Right. For my own stuff, I'm like, I'm going to get my shit. Good, good. <laughs> I like to get people thinking. And it's not to say it's going to be the fir- perfect the first time around, right? And I think this is what a lot of people forget. Just because you have a curriculum, you have that foundation. My favorite word is iteration. There is always room to, for improvement. But here's the thing, you know you don't have to be iterating in the middle of the program. You wait till the end, you get the feedback, you take it, and you use it to make it a little bit better, right? Because you built it based on the knowledge that you had at that time. You gave it your best with the knowledge that you had at that time. And now that you have more, then you take it another step one step yeah one step at a time and and you brought up an important point too of you know like instead of trying to fix the little things as they come like here and there like I think a lot of the times like we don't realize realize how each of those little things like they add up right and and by the end of the like you know you've you've thought you just fixed one little thing but by the end of you know the week or the program right like you've had to put out so many fires and like no wonder you're you're tired but if you have a curriculum that you're um confident in and you know that it has everything that it needs then just taking that feedback afterwards or those learnings and afterwards taking that that yeah that's um that's very interesting and definitely I could see now the the relation between burnout <laughs> and uh, and not having that like foundation that's so yeah yes, exactly. I think you're making both of us think about <laughs> a lot of things today no believe me it comes from starting off when I was you know all the way back 16 years ago when I first started off teaching and not having that curriculum to teach with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I burned out so fast. Like I need, I needed it. And I saw the way that it can, mm-hmm. it's needed in all learning experiences. People might think it's more like, oh, well, that's for traditional education. No, there's a way that you can make it work for your learning experience that you're hosting too. So. Mm-hmm. What are some of the applications that like, for example, in the, non-traditional like education online space like what are some of those applications for curriculum curriculum um you can have Mm -hmm. a curriculum for your coaching program right which you know it has your framework in it it has the activities that you're going to do you just call them different things right you know from what traditional our membership can have a curriculum because you mm. need to know what you're going to, what what's the purpose? What is the impact that you want your membership to have? And how are you going to get them there? What's the journey that they're going to take throughout this membership with you, right? Um, and, of course, online courses, which, you know, everyone thinks thinks of, but a lot of people just think they need to throw everything in the kitchen sink into it, but you don't. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah. 
that's what I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know the the word curriculum. Like I always associate it with like schoolwork, right? So yeah. it's really interesting to right. kind of see like a syllabus. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and and it's definitely you know like. At the end of the day, it's just having like, uh, as you said, like kind of that journey and like a bit of a system too, mm -hmm. so that, you know, and I feel like that's applicable in a lot of different things that we do as well, exactly. like not just like the online space, but just, okay. yeah, like, like even in, uh, in your work, right, just having like a system of like how you design your day right if you prioritize right. like something in the morning and that you know what I mean like just having like that system I, I could see how yeah it's definitely like uh important to, to manage your energy and that's really important yeah exactly a curriculum for your life <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought? I, I think that word used to scare me before just from like schoolwork so who would have thought you would <laughs> it could become your friend <laughs> right so true I'm curious like since you have lived and like worked in so many places mm -hmm. are have you noticed any differences across cultures of like you know how they view education or like if burnout is more prevalent in like some countries versus others that's from a, what you see yeah that's a great question I think you know education is different has been different in all of the cultures that I've you know all of the countries that I've worked in in that space and I've, I've also worked in that space in a different con in different contexts too right so I haven't only been a teacher I've also been part, part of administrations and things like that so I think I feel like burnout is universal. I'm just going to put that out there. It's good to know. It's good to know. <laughs> I feel like burnout is universal. Um, that's a human problem. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because um, I, I, I felt burnt out in every country that I've lived in. And I've seen friends feel it too. Um, but I think, you know, education-wise, I see... For example, uh, Japan what was, I, I lived there for 10 years and I lived and worked there for 10 years in different aspects from, I worked from preschool all the way up to university, right? But my longest time, high school, university in Japan. And I think there's a lot to be said in terms of education, in terms of testing, right? For kids and in terms of, how 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 people work right how long mm -hmm. the work days are and how people work like in the physical sense and i even know that with the whole covid thing and switching to online how difficult it has been mm -hmm. for certain certain countries because I just think of my country Trinidad and my sister-in-law is a teacher here and how difficult it has been for for them to, to make that switch to online because it's just not something that ever they they would do right right it's more yeah. that traditional face-to-face -face, not more you know that trans transformative kind of education that where you can you know go out on the beach and sit and learn there in nature or something no it's you're in the classroom <laughs> have your uniform worn and you you there's a teacher and you learn right so right. I, I feel like 
you know, whereas, you know, in the spaces, a lot of the spaces I've worked in in the U.S., still a lot of traditional, but there is sometimes a little more, you know, there are people th who learn differently, right? And I feel like it's it's starting to... I feel like last year kind of made everyone learn differently. That's you so know? true. And realize that you can learn differently and it can work. Um, the roundabout way of answering your question there. No, that's... <laughs> That's a Good great answer. Uh, yeah. Abiola, can you uh, share with our audience where they can find you and also how they can work with you if there's anyone who, who is interested? Yeah, sure. So you can find me on Instagram. Uh, you can slide into my DMs. I'm always, I answer. I, I, I actually respond. Um, <laughs> at Fern Education Studios. Um with the PH, P-H-E-R-N, Education Studios. And I will be hosting some workshops coming out on inclusion and intersectionality for online coaches and community hosts um, of group experiences coming pretty soon, August, September. So look out. You can check me out there and you can check those out. Love that. I... I know that those workshops will be very like helpful for a lot of people because especially after last year where there was like a huge surge and all of a sudden everyone and their mother is interested in DEI work. So right. I'm glad that you're, you're providing those resources because it's definitely needed. Yeah. And if workshops aren't your thing and you want to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, that's also a possibility. You just have to DM me. <laughs> yes. Love that. Well, we uh, here at Together Thriving, we love to close out by asking our guests a question, mm -hmm. and that is, what is one thing that makes you feel like you're fully thriving? I love that question. Can I just say that? <laughs> yeah, of course. I love that question. We do too. <laughs> <laughs> and for me, what makes me feel like I'm fully thriving is standing in my truth. Mm. It's showing all the parts of me. It's not being afraid to say what I need to say. That's when I feel like I'm thriving, I'm evolving, I'm growing. And, you know, not letting others dictate, you know, how and when I say or do something. And just, you know, doing those things that because sometimes standing in your truth can push you outside your comfort zone. And it's actually going outside of it and, you know, and also outside of that typical, like, entrepreneur box and doing mm -hmm. things my way. That's very powerful. I Yeah, I love that. And we've talked a lot about being able to, you know, move into spaces and be your whole self today. So yeah. I love that that's uh, that that was your answer to this question. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. This was a really, really great conversation to have. And yeah, any of our listeners out there, be sure to check Abiola out. It, it sounds like she has a lot of amazing things coming up this August and September. So keep an eye out and we'll see you next time. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Together Thriving Podcast. If you've resonated with this episode, click that subscribe button, leave us a review, and share our podcast with your favorite humans. To help us get this content out to more women and femmes of color, we're looking for a wellness community where they feel heard and seen. If you'd like to join the Together Thriving fam, head over to our show notes to join our newsletter and stay in the loop for our upcoming community calls and annual summit. You can also find us on Instagram at TogetherThrivingWOC. Until next time, hasta luego. A bientôt.